Can't get enough of Cthulhu and Cairo? Join our Patreon for as low as $3 per month to access special features and bonus content. You can find us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. I'm Raz, uh, and I will be your keeper for this evening. And I'm joined by the entire squad of our intrepid investigators, including a new face, um, Ella Walcott, who we last time we touched base uh, came sort of into a situation that was just absolutely devastating for the team. But tonight we're going to learn a little bit more, I think, about her and her connection to especially one of the members of our cadre of uh, stalwart heroes. But we're also going to take a moment and pick up where we left off and just kind of explain the situation that's occurred over the last 24 hours. We didn't want to role play just another angsty cry fest, but we do want to make sure that we cover the points that as a listener in a radio drama, you would understand uh, or would want to know how it came to a head or culminated. So what's ended up happening is um, Torky's wife has met with the holy men and uh, woman that Sid and Faye went out to collect. All of Katmandu has heard about this brutal, violent murder. And within the customs of the people, normally these things take a long, long time. There's several days of feasting and everything else. But it's taking place during Indra Jartra, this other festival that takes place in Katmandu that basically occupies the entire city. Also, there's a time crunch. The team realizes that, and so does uh, Chorky, who's Torgi's wife, and I didn't mean for them to rhyme. I apologize. I wrote them in two different pieces of my notebook. She recognizes that the team itself has a time crunch and that their only way they're going to be able to potentially either rescue her husband or make a difference in this whatever they need to get done has to happen quickly. So... These funerals have been accelerated, and it's the following day after the bodies were discovered, and their funeral pyres have been lit, the chantings have been done, people have filed or gathered around to pay their respects, past all six of, of the, the porters, include and also uh, with Aveline Hammond. The, the locals just recognize the tragedy and the loss and feel that during this holy time, it, it's it would just be impro- you know, improper to leave these the small group suffering when they all perish together in such a tragedy. So that's where we're going to pick it up, um, is that the, py- the pyres have been lit. Everyone has said their goodbyes. People are just starting to go home or make their ways with loved ones and children and relatives. And that's where we're going to pick up with our team. And we're going to find out exactly how they're going to deal with uh, the arrival of Mueller, what his, the aftermath of what he did, and where they're going to go from here with their plans to get to Rupkund. Players, like I said, the crackling of the fire is there, the sun is down, the chanting is pretty much dying down. There's some monks that are still doing, you know, the ohms and other things in the, in, in the area, sitting near the pyres or just saying prayers over the dead, you know, as they, as they pass from one world to another. Sid, you're standing next to Catherine and Faye. Ella's over by John. A gentleman comes up and taps you on the shoulder. He's 
definitely looks like a local, but he's dressed far more. He's dressed in very fine garments, still of a local look. Vest uh, worn with no shirt at this time of year, so it's just a vest covering him. And uh, but his pants are very, very well tailored or or made. You can tell the cloth is a finer quality. He's wearing shoes, not sandals, even though it's summer. And uh, he taps you on the the shoulder and he says, "Are you Sidney Poulter?" I, I I turn to him uh, slowly and cautiously and uh, yes, I am. I'm sorry. Do I know you? No, but I knew your friend, and Torky is my uncle. I would like to speak with you and your friends at your convenience. I may be able to provide some assistance in fulfilling the wishes of my uncle and finish the business that he had with you. Okay, that that sounds fine. We we can do this uh, at an appropriate time after this is finished. Of course. You can meet me at... Um, there is a small tavern... Uh, not far from here. He gives you the name of one. And he says, and you can meet me there. Just ask for Ying Ko. It is a name well known in Kathmandu. It will get you a chance to speak with me privately. And I hope that I can be of assistance. I value my uncle dearly and some of my cousins as well that were murdered. It's, it breaks my heart. And I would like to see payment for what was taken from us. Yeah. That's that's very nice. It's very kind of you to offer that, and I will mention it to my compatriots, and we will uh, we will meet you. We will ask for you uh, to discuss this further. Catherine, make a spot hidden roll, please. Making a spot hidden, uh, that be a no keeper. The situation. Uh, the gentleman leaves. Sid. He walks away. Everyone, you know, the rest of the team saw you speaking with him. It was. It wasn't like it was done super secretly. Chorgi is is with some others, some uh, some other women locals. They're very upset about you know the whole situation with her daughters, with her husband. They want you know information. They want to know what's going on. She knows that she has offered some service to you, saying to your team, saying that she knows the area. She has made this trek a few times with them as a cook before you know they started having children. So. She's telling people, you know, she's going to carry on and da, da 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 There's all this going, this thing. Catherine, you hear behind you to the left. Catherine, I'm, I'm so sorry that this happened. And you turn around and it's Victor Priest, the doctor. He hadn't been able to get out of Kathmandu yet. And uh, he's heard what's happened, obviously. And he's standing there and he's beside himself. He's very upset. And he says, I'm... I'm so sorry for your loss. This must this must have affected all of you greatly. I know that you seemed very close. Yes. Well, um, Miss Dawson, my condolences as well. Mr. Poulter, he looks at you, he says, I'm, uh, I, I just, I, I couldn't leave without stopping by and at least expressing my sadness. And all of you have my thoughts and prayers. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. He walks over to you, John. Um, you're standing close to Ella. He just, you know, waits to not interrupt. Uh, and then he approaches you and says, um, Professor, it's John. Yes, John Schooley. He had only met you briefly, so he's just trying to be polite. Mm, that, that's right. He says, uh, yes. Uh, doctor? Doctor? Yes, doctor. I was originally hired by um, 
by Mr. Poulter's friends to be the doctor for your trek. But, um, you know, you have Miss Miss Ross and everything is, is fine. So I, I, I was going to head home, back to Japan, but I heard what happened and I just wanted to send my condolences. So he shake, he yes, offers his uh, hand. Very kind of you, sir. I shake it. Okay. He um very awkwardly, but, you know, all of us have unfortunately had to live through a receiving line. And that moment when someone comes up who's just trying to be genuinely thoughtful, but is also socially a little bit awkward. And he does, he shakes your hand, he does his thing. Uh, the sky is now totally dark. Every, you know, it's it's really black now. It's it's later in the evening, probably like about 9, 9.30. And uh, Ella, you see the same thing. He just, he smiles at you. He didn't know you. He wasn't introduced. So he begins just walking away, puts his hat back on, and begins to leave the field where the bodies are are being cremated. The group gets back together. Sid, you can either pass on the message or whatever, but she's going back to her residence. Um, Sid, in the last 24 hours, there has been no additional sign of the other two gentlemen uh, from the dig. Wallace and Ed Norton have not appeared anywhere. Yeah, that's what I was. One of the things I wanted to ask you was mm-hmm. whether Wallace and Norton showed up. You said no, no. And they're. Uh, I'm guessing if we checked the hotel, that there still looks like they had just left in the middle of the day or whatever. Correct. Um, the other question I wanted to ask is uh, Ying Ko. Does Ying Ko look sort of that Indian Asian mm-hmm. mixture look that they do there? Yeah. As a matter of fact, you can. Once he says he's related to Torgi, you get this real impression that he's probably related to Torgi. They they have semi, okay. similar features. He's about he's a little taller, but you know, you you would if you put them in a lineup, you'd pick them out as relatives. So we're gonna move at this point. You can either head back to the hotel. You can have Sid explain what the encounter that there may be a lead. Whatever you want to do here, you can go back with Chorgi and start discussing how, you know how to hire more porters, how to get up the mountain quicker. Right now, Mueller's got you know. A day and a half head start. He's got start. her kids. And her kids. He has her kids, right? Yep. And the husband. So so her interest in this is... Rescue. You know, very personal, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, he took the kids as a leave us alone or else type of thing. But we have zero confidence that when he's done, if the kids are in fact still alive at this point, that he's just going to dispose of them. You know, do we, do, do any of us have any doubts about that? These kids are in mortal danger, is what I'm trying to say, right? We all Correct. agree. Yes. No. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's quite obvious. Yeah. He's yeah. a disgusting um, man. I wouldn't put it past him. So, I'm, I'm, so there, there's something I wanted to do. I guess if we're, I'm not sure whether to do it before we go back to the hotel or, or after. But mm-hmm. um, since Cuthbert and Norton were not there, which is, I, you know, they would have been there, done a lot of climbing with Torgi, uh-huh. uh, because they they recommended him. So them not being there. I have two thoughts that are going through my head. One okay. thought is that they're possibly in cahoots with the Nazis and there was a plan to go off with them. The other one is that they were sort of waylaid and taken away by the Nazis and forced to guide them. Well, they have um, Torgi. They don't need them. Right. So, and right. So that's playing through Sid's mind uh, alongside the, alongside the, uh, the death also. And so I want to like, I want to go through their room, basically. I want to pull a Faye Dawson. I want to go through their room and see what I can find. Maybe in, in a less dramatic throwing ray, ripping and destroying. But I want to 
I want to methodically see if we can find anything, see anything that might give us clues as to what, where, why they disappeared, where they went to, if they had allegiances with the Nazis, any kind of any, I don't know, anything. Are you sharing um, this with everybody or is this just a Sid moment to me? I guess it's a Sid moment to you because I'm, I'm not really sure about the timing, whether I should, whether, or maybe to the, to the, I'm not sure whether that should happen right now or if that should happen. Well, everybody, everybody them. gets together at this point and is standing there watching the fires crackle. You can approach this with the Ying Ko information. You can talk about searching the room. You know, you let okay. me know what right, Sid's so we'll priority we'll just, we'll... is and how he wants to. Right now, he's sort of got the the helm for the moment. All right, so um, I'll, I'll take advantage of the moment. We'll do it all together. So uh, Sid sort of leans towards everyone. He says, um, I, "I have two thoughts that have been going through my mind, and." Um, well, rather one thought and one encounter that I, I need to share. And the thought is this, that um, Cuthbert and Norton uh, had a long history with Torgi, as, as did I, and had done a lot of climbing. And so when I went to the rooms to look for them before, it almost looked as if they had left for the day and then just kind of not returned. And that has me concerned. So them not showing up for his his ritual burial leads me to believe one of two things. Either they're in cahoots with the Nazis and they had to go and they may not know what happened. Or two, that um, something nefarious happened to them or, or they were waylaid in some sort of way. Uh, but I know that time is of the essence and I guess that's why I'm struggling. So there's that uh, that we need to talk about. But also as important, uh, because that might just be my own personal struggle that I need to go off and try to figure out because I really want to go and ransack their room. Um, Sid, other, can I ask you? Yes. Can I ask you, Sid? Uh, they they could help us, right? If we can find well, them, and, and that's exactly why I went looking for them. So um, finding them is of utmost importance, not and, not just personal I, for you. If they're time is you know time is well. So, but I ran but into continue. I ran into somebody at at, at the ceremony. Uh, so I encountered somebody that I think is is almost more important at the moment that that gets out. So I just wanted to say the first. But the second is that I was approached by a man who called himself Ying Ko, uh, looked quite a bit like Torgi and stated that he was, in fact, Torgi's nephew. Now, he was dressed very well. He did appear to be a local, but he was dressed very well for a local. And he said that he wanted to help us as sort of a payment back, positive recompense on the, the wishes of his uncle and, and, his, and his plans with us. He had invited me to go to this local tavern and then ask for him and and then he would talk to us about it further. So I wanted to bring that up with you. But I also, you know, mentioned the other first because I don't really want to go alone to those rooms because I may miss something. So I need to know like who might want to go with me and, and go through that. You know I love tearing through stuff. So I'll well, go with should, you to the rooms. We should all go, right? Because you have to go to meet Ian Co. You're the one who's met him. If we're So we, it's not like um, we can We've just lost someone. Maybe we not split up too much. Where maybe we don't just go meeting strange men who claim to be the nephew, cousin, brother, twice removed of. Well, no, I don't plan on going alone. That's that's not what I meant. I... What I meant is, uh, while all of us could go to the room, it might look a bit odd. Uh, you know, five people ransacking two rooms in a hotel. So Some of us can before. just casually keep watch. I guess, maybe, yes. I guess it would work. But I, I do understand your point. 
cat uh, and uh, and and I agree. It seems that every time we split up, somebody gets beaten, hurt, or possibly killed, or in this case, then actually killed. So as the stakes seem to be getting higher, I'm not really prepared to lose any more of you. So I think uh, you know maybe yeah maybe we should work on that. Let's look at ransacking the rooms gently, and then. Uh, going off to meet uh, Ying Ko together as a group, you know, and maybe share a pint, you know. If I were to go into the room, I could see if I get a reading off of anything, if they left anything behind, perhaps guess their intentions if you think they are on our side or not, or your side. So, uh, she's a so little awkward would, still. <laughs> right. And so I have a question, since I don't know you at all, which is that, you know, I did encounter people back home in all Blighty, so were that they called sensitives, people that could uh, feel other people's emotions or, or people that could uh, touch objects and, and get readings off of all. Is that what you are? Is that what this is? Or is it something else? I... It's a little weird. It's rather <laughs> bizarre. Um, well, in truth, this is all a little weird. It yeah. is. I understand. And I suppose that is what you would call me. I prefer see her in most cases or even just some people are now coining the term empath it's more feelings rather than full visions it's i just get a sense of where things are i hear voices sometimes the the feelings are foggy i, I can't explain it and i've only just been able to use this ability recently in the past few years so I, it's still a mystery to me how it came to be and if I can help you in any way, I can, truly. And if it ever makes you uncomfortable, I will... I, I can't read your mind, basically, if that's what you are worried right. about. Uh, yeah, I guess it sounds like what I've encountered. It was it was a woman back in my old village in, in, in Croton. So uh, I guess that makes sense, right? She would touch people and she could say things about them. You know, you've been here, you've had loss, you, you know, you lost a child, that kind of... Things that basically made people cry. But I understand what you're saying. Yes, and again, the closer the object was to the person, the better the reading. So I may be able well, to tell were, something off yeah. the objects they leave behind, or they had touched nothing in the hotel room, and I, I could not tell you for certain, but I will do my best. Well, Jolly there's good. only one oh, way to find out. Sure. Okay, that's right. Catherine, Catherine and I can, can keep an eye out. The three of you can ransack the room. What do you think, Kat? That sounds perfectly fine to me. Uh got little interest in going through um ex-military men's under things so um <laughs> well everybody gathers together they walk down the street everything's fine people are trying to be as pleasant and nice as possible but grief is a very private emotion and you are outsiders and they are under they are in their own form of grief dealing with the loss of six of their own so while they would never impede upon you or they're also not entering your space and shaking your hand and trying to be, you know, very, well, it's such a hard thing. I'm so sorry. That's not happening. What's happening is everyone's kind of just watching you go by with very sad expressions, but they're not, you know, it's not that they're trying to be distant or uncomfortable with you. It's just they don't want to infringe on your time. They don't want to make you feel obligated to grieve the way they grieve or to see, speak to them. So it's just, it's it's a different, you know, it's a different culture and how they do things. 
But you arrive at the hotel and you're, you know, the rooms that were occupied by uh, Wallace Cuthbert and Edward Norton. Um, you go up to them. Ella, you, you know, you walk in, you guys are starting to go through things. Now, Cuthbert's room is still has possessions in it. Um, there are still things that were left behind. Not the same with Norton's. Norton's looks pretty cleaned out. Packed with a purpose. Packed or just very efficient and hadn't really opened his pack much and was able to just throw his shit in and leave. Whatever that object is. But he didn't seem to leave a footprint, so to speak. Where where Cuthbert, Wallace Cuthbert did. So if you guys are going to search a room, it would probably want to be starting there. Okay. I definitely think so. Purposes, that would be the room with the most personal stuff in it. So one of the things that's immediately found, everybody that's in the room, go ahead and give me a spot hidden, and then we'll go with how personal of an object you find. (laughs) That's a no for Ella. I rolled a 32. That is a hard success for me. For spot hidden? I got a regular success. So Faye, the best thing that you find is a hairbrush, which has actual pieces cool. of the person on it. So that's probably yes. going to give a real good real good vision if Ella can pick anything up. I um I pick it up and I hold it up and I turn to Ella. I'm like, hey, I got some of the dude's hair. Will this suffice for your find? Actually, that is absolutely marvelous. Please, may I? By all means, it's not my hairbrush. Well, thank you very much. And, uh... She's kind of, she's awkward around the group mm-hmm. right now, obviously, because there was a funeral. So it's like she pats her on the shoulder because she has no concept of human <laughs> contact. She's been pretty much a loner for these past couple of years. It's like, yes, yeah, they um, pats the hand that you put on her shoulder, and she's like, okay, all right, I'm gonna go step over there now. Have I a really biscuit. hope she doesn't. <laughs> I really hope she doesn't try that with Catherine because I she get shot. Don't want to watch that. Yeah. She turns to Sid and Faye while she's stepping away. It's like, which one of you wants to record what I say? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll write it down. And uh, Sid uh, ruffles through his pockets and, and finds a piece of paper and then try looks around the room to the desk, see if he can find a pencil or a pen or something. So do I find a, a pen or a pencil that I yeah, can use? Absolutely. Okay. You're a gentleman. You probably carry something in your inner jacket pocket. You know, just oh, to yeah, write down a quick probably. note or two. I mean, you're an engineer, mechanical engineer. You you know, you're constantly drawing or sketching something. You have a little pocket notebook that you, you know, okay. that you have. I, Catherine, in I'll... the lobby, Priest walks out with his luggage. He starts walking through the lobby and sees you and just puts his head down and just keeps walking. But um, you and John do see him exiting. He's got two bags with him. And a young gentleman is bringing down another other luggage like a backpack and some other provisions and a big medical bag uh, and a trunk because he was planning on having to pack all this stuff up to go up into the mountains. But he gets to the front. You see him paying his bill and then um, car pulls up out front and he's going to be loaded into it and taken to the airport uh, to, to fly out of Kathmandu. Is it a taxi? Yeah. Is the amount of luggage, like, does it make sense? Oh, yeah. He was going to be gone okay. for, yeah. I don't, I don't trust anybody right now. Okay. Am I getting the um, vibe that we're supposed to stop this guy? Am I the only one that's getting that vibe? No. So You're not the only one. The, the vibe you that was supposed to be happening was is that this guy has actually been one of the decent people to Catherine. 
did you know w offered her a job sort of took a liking to her Catherine in her infinite wisdom has stomped on his throat and given her the what? <laughs> I under what <laughs> you have my deepest condolences yeah <laughs> murder yeah that was the thing <laughs> listen he apologized um, he did it to everyone to kind of like even out the well that was incredibly awkward and and he's thinking to himself as he gets in the cab I have to remember to smack my mother when I get home to for keep telling me I gotta get married you need to find a nice girl what oh my god <laughs> he was like interested in her in that way he was starting to feel a connection a, 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 a okay a, crap a good All mind, right. you know, a, okay. a yes. smart woman. Um, Come to China. John, <laughs> make you a doctor. John that, it's it's okay. Own. He's in the cab pulling away. No, he's not in the cab. Yes. He's not. I've Shit. already No, I've already explained the motive. Ah, I'm not letting you go. Can I wheel him back in? No, at this point. I'm not. I'm not a cab chaser. I don't expect that you are. I also <laughs> don't not, expect I, that you're going to pull out your gun and shoot the tires out and say, Dr. Priest. I would not put it past right. Catherine. Oh, my God. I mean, she shot someone through a door. <laughs> All right. Cards. So back Listen, in the room. Um, I will say that as Victor Priest, do I have his card? Do I yes. have like any? Okay. As Victor Priest drives away, Catherine has a small moment and she, she gets a very... She gets a pang of, of hurt because back at the start of this adventure, Aveline came to make friends with her and she really snubbed her. <laughs> and now, look, it's happening again. Are you You're trying to suggest die. that Priest is going to die because you snubbed him? No, I'm just saying, like, oh, look, a missed friend opportunity. <laughs> Great. Doesn't In play well recent with news. Others. In recent right. news, a Kathmandu airline has just fallen out of the sky. Sorry, one doctor. Your best and friend is upstairs ransacking a room. She found a man's hairbrush. Okay. So here well, we go. Catherine the Forever Spinster. Ella, I will in the future attempt to send you messages so that you can RP in your voice what you catch and see. We really didn't have a way of doing that without long drawn pauses, some of which we can edit. But in this case, I'm going to give the descriptions that you see this one time, and then in the future, I'll pass that on to you with, with little sentences, and I'll try to set it up so that you can do it, okay? Ella grabs the brush. Well, why don't you tell me what Ella's process is once she's holding something? She usually like takes a tour about the room with it, or the space that... It located the bathroom, then walks through it, and then she usually just grips it close to her chest and starts closing her eyes, getting a sense of things. And wherever the feelings take her next, she kind of follows the vibe, the sensation of, okay, this hairbrush moved to this point while he was holding it, and then like, then okay. I'm going to get a visual now. Sid, Faye, she grabs the hairbrush, and it points at Sid. And she starts moving towards Sid. Sid doesn't really notice at first because he, he's busy, ready to write. He's right. like leaned over, <laughs> leaned over against say, the table. And he's like, go ahead, go ahead. Right. What are you saying? He notices and she kind of just steps a little bit closer to Sid. So in case something goes south, she will start swinging. Fair. Ella, you, the hairbrush goes over the top of Sid's shoulder 
and as you're holding on to it, you get a sharp, sharp pain in your chest, and the hairbrush starts to vibrate a little bit like a divining rod, and you blink, and when you, you, you kind of try to catch your breath, there's a shadow on the wall that you are sure doesn't belong to the three of you. Ella is holding the hairbrush eyes wide, and she's, like, one hand's moved off of it to clutch her chest. Like, ah, there's something in the room. Are you okay? Shadow. He's watching. Uh, Sid immediately pulls his gun, reaches for his gun. Okay. Drops his pencil, <laughs> and he goes, where, where, where are they? Where, where's the shadow? Where, where, is, where is someone? Behind you. If oh, Faye whips great. around... Bloody great. I whip around as fast as I can. There's nothing there. The brush is leading her towards the window, and it's tapping on the glass. Ella, it wants... It seems like it wants to go outside. It wants to lead you out of the hotel. Through the window may not be the best course of action, but definitely out into the street. I'll help you go out the window if you want. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> Faye, I, I know that Evelyn's death is hard, but <laughs> I, Ella's here. She's kind and lovely. No window jumping for Ella. She's not the vigilante we once knew. But I think it would be fun to swing out of it, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, Ella, like, is touching the window, looking for something. She's like, he went outside and something's pulling at me to follow it and this thing really wants to leave well maybe we should go outside with it then can we go downstairs or do you have to climb out the window i mean i if i could go out the window without dying yes but i'm worried about the fall and i'm in heels Uh, all right well then let's let's go come on let's go the brush leads you down the stairs out and around Catherine, john you see a brush Sid, Faye, and Ella being led by a brush in her extended hand, making their way for the door. Sid's holding a pistol, kind of trying to hide it a little bit. Catherine, yes? She nudges John. Do we want to join that wacky party? I think that's a yes. Let's keep our distance, though. (laughs) Um, That brush looks dangerous. That's a hairbrush. It's a very powerful hairbrush, thank you. It very much wants to leave the building. Oh, God, she's off a rocker. And we're going to leave the building. I just kind of look at, like, Catherine and John, and I just, you know, raise my eyebrows while also following, like, um, hello, come on. Use some backup. She's got a hairbrush. She's on. Right. So, uh, you don't know what Ella has done with hairbrushes. So (laughs) I don't want to know. Right. One of us could could be knocked to the ground unconscious. She actually is, Ella actually turns to say, the brush wants us to go outside and it looks like her heels are skipping as if it's pulling her to want to go outside Faye runs in front opens the door Sid's like nothing to see here and everybody's you know the couple people in the lobby at the end of the day are like what the hell but uh I just want to say (laughs) yeah I just want to say that I take back every time I said that Aveline was weird (laughs) oh good she has nothing you know may she rest in peace I will miss her forever not that weird. No, not like what you're gonna get. No, not <laughs> no. what you're gonna get here. Not like, not, not like, not like with Ella. <laughs> Ella's not like Ella. Ella, the hairbrush Walcott. No. <laughs> the Sid. Uh, the Sid, Sid opens, pushes the door the rest of the way open with his foot, sort of 
grabs Ella by the waist and sort of maneuvers her to the door before mm-hmm. she would be slid out the window. Well, no, yeah, she's, go, no, she's on the floor. She's heading for the door. Yep. I'm like, here we go. This direction. Very nice. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> Ella, the shadow that you saw is now at the bottom of the stairs leading into the street. And it's beckoning like this. And the hairbrush definitely seems to want to follow it. Uh, Ella's first thought is to call back to Sid. Like, Mr. Poulter, the shadow is calling to the brush. And I need you to keep track of our trail. Onwards! I'm following, I'm following. And I'm I'm, I'm writing in the paper against my hand. You walk to the brush once. Go ahead. Does Ella have a, a jacket on or just like a sweater or something that I could just hold on to like the back of her shirt, yeah. like ever so gingerly just to kind of. I have a shirt. I mean, you can hold the back of my shirt. Yeah, yeah just to make sure, you know, you don't walk into anybody. I just, I don't want to have to explain this to anybody <laughs> if we run into someone. Yeah. All right. You be my mama bird and like hold on to my collar of my shirt. Yeah. If you please. That's normally the Catherine Ross position Whoa. is mama bird but that's- I, will, has I will say i will say um catherine doesn't want to touch this woman so then you're not offended then you're not offended the the so brush goes to like the bottom of the stairs seconds. with you out to the, to the edge of the road because there's really no sidewalks or anything and you feel the brush slapped violently out of your hand there's a bunch of tire tracks the rush bounces and everything and lands into a tire track I believe the car you're looking for is this one, I th- and I think it went that way. Points probably in the wrong direction. No, but it, like you point in the right direction. You, your initial roll was a four, so your clairvoyance was a hard success. So you got a read of the fact that he was put into a car at some point over the last twenty-four hours. But the fact that he's a shadow leads you to think that he may have not survived the journey. Right, that's what I was thinking, right. But the shadow is actually Cuthbert. Yeah, she turns around and goes, I'm getting the sense that he was smuggled into this car track wherever it led and he did not survive. The shadow usually means that someone is no longer of this plane. So are you saying that Cuthbert is the shadow? Or the shadow is a representative of Cuthbert now because he has passed because of the events that he went through. It is his essence, his remaining essence that he left behind in this world that was in the brush. So it's a representation. Not sure if it's his actual soul. He did not speak to me, but it appears he's no longer here. Catherine? And, and forgive me, did Dead the brush people? speak to you? She's just telling you it's a vision. She felt compelled to come this way. Uh, I've never spoken to dead people sort of it's a it's it's hard to explain it's mostly just feelings and sometimes a shadow means that they're no longer here sometimes it means that they've passed into another realm of existence and it's not that they're dead it's just that they're not on this plane so well that's not confusing or concerning well I'd like to say I don't understand, but and sadly I do kind of understand. Uh, having spent too much time with a certain similar woman doing tea. All right, so the assumption we have now is that Cuthbert did not necessarily leave of his own volition, which would make sense because his belongings were still in his room. Or well, how about we go back to Norton's room and see what we can maybe glean uh, from Norton's room? We all good for that? And then 
based off what we find from there, then we go find this other fellow. Yeah, I'm all for it. Let's go take a look. But I, we haven't, we haven't been in there yet, right? No, no. We you started with in. the other room. Yeah, let's go. We'll go see what we can find. You go into his room. It's like I said, the footprint is almost non-existent. Uh, let me roll for Ella. Ella, you're getting the the faintest glimpses. Appears the only thing that you can say for certain is that he left the room alone. That's all you feel. She responds to that way and says he was not with anyone when he checked out of the hotel. He was most likely alone by what I'm sensing. Unfortunately, if Cuthbert left by a car, whether induced or on his own volition, it's going to be kind of hard to track him even with a brush, I imagine. The feeling that you got from the car, was it, was it that it, it drove off? As in, like, you know, the story ends here in the street. If the tire marks ended, then yes, that's all I was able to okay. all right. get from the sensations. And now that he's dead, all these objects will soon be useless. Right, right, right. Because they'll essentially go cold from his... Yeah, all right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, I apologize for not being more helpful if, like... You gave us more answers. I mean, God, none of us can do that. So thank you for lending us your services. Um, Literally, all I would have known is that the man had hair. That was all. It's all, it's the least I could do after what John helped me with back in the day. Right, Scooby? We've certainly seen uh, seen our fair share of it, right, Ella? Indeed. I'm not sure if the rest of you, if I've ever shared, but Ella and I went through a real experience together on a, a ship uh, that was intended to be a crossing from the New world back to Europe, so to speak. And uh, it got waylaid on the way. And Yeah, sorry um, about that. <laughs> I guess that was kind of your fault, wasn't it? <laughs> to be fair, I was being manipulated by cultists who were turning my mother into a god of darkness and devouring human flesh. So really, it's their fault, <laughs> but I, I changed the charters in order to steer us in the direction. Um, you do know that uh, Catherine's you- head's about to explode. You, that uh, one, yeah, you, that's just, no, yeah. You, um, you need to, what? No, no, I, I can't. Oh my God. That's yeah, weird. Okay, that's weird. Normally Faye would try to Weirder like, than some of the things that down. we've seen in the last few, the last couple of months, Catherine. We just saw <laughs> Mr. Dawson get parents yes. and sex gods and death yes. and creepy things. I'm right here, Catherine. I'm uh, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Boom. <laughs> this is all. Catherine. Uh, Catherine still doesn't want to take our hand and step through the door into a larger world. It's okay. She'll get there. Okay. Hi. No. Uh, Faye doesn't want to either, but that is because of personal familial issues. Oh. Yeah. Your actually, father? both of you. Yeah. yeah. Well, we. That's something we have in common. Okay, but the thing is, you probably have processed yours. I am still fresh, um, so I'm going to need some time. And by time, I mean when I'm 40. So, Honestly, Faye, you and Ella probably have a lot to share with. And and I I don't mean to diminish your experiences at all, Faye, but uh, Ella's Ella's story is, when it comes to her parents, is about as heart-rending a story as you would possibly hear. Yeah. Um, The reason we created an acquaintanceship on our journey through the Gertrude Dobbs was because my mother was kidnapped and taken to the island of many, many deaths. Was that the Isle of 
Ila Muerta keeper. She was fed human corpses that washed up on the island in order to become the devourer god, and unfortunately, before she could finish her task by eating, John, myself, a lovely couple of antiquers, and an old sea dog whose name escapes me, I had to shoot her in the face. And, well, since that day, that is when I got these gifts. I'm assuming some of the powers that be on the island transferred to me. And, well, once we found a ship to take us home, John and I separated. And, well, I decided to continue to hunt down the cultists who did that to my mother. That was my, that is my full anecdote, my full story. All the nuts and bolts, and including the traitorous actions of me stealing the charts of the ship. Well, welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I yes, welcome yes, aboard. Catherine. My ex fiance is um who supposedly dead is not dead anymore, and um not he's not a zombie. He lied to me and fled and became a black market criminal mastermind who developed some oh. sort of strange interest in the occult and is potentially now trying to bring about the end of the world. Wow. Yep. Oh my. I, John, what happened really, to you? Are we really gonna? I, are we really? I'm a college professor. <laughs> energy as I was in a book club. <laughs> Wait, well, first of all, <laughs> first of all, he was a college John. professor with a head in a jar. I mean... I, I talked I talked to a head me? in a jar when I was at college. Wait, no, hold on. We've never unpacked this before. Yeah, well... <laughs> in a jar, that's good. Well, let, let me clarify. I talked to a 70-year-old serial-killing head in a jar. Because oh, that makes it so much more clear. This was when I finally got to Portugal. Because Portugal is just filled with wondrous things, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, so that was after, I think. Yes. yes after. This oh, was my. during my my my. This was during my my uh, my time at uh, University of Lisbon. Which I come to think of it, I probably need to send them a letter and, and <laughs> let my sabbatical go a little bit further. <laughs> We're getting near the end of summer. Post it to the head. Wait, I have one question for Ella. How old yes. are you? I am 30. Still the baby of the group. I'm still old. Older. Just had my 30th birthday party. So we believe one of them left of their own power or alone. The other one was forced into a car and taken to some other... Because we know secondary crime scenes are always so much better than the t first pri primary crime scene. Never good. Never good. Even in the 1930s. So, so these guys are kind of now pushed out of the picture. Uh, you do have the other... It, it's now about 10, 1030. You do have time to this, go see Ying Ko as a team and try to find out what aid he might be able to give you in helping Georgie and you know his aunt, as he claims, uh, recover her husband and the girls. So if you want to well, go check on that, yeah, yep. I mean we're bringing guns, but sure. You're bringing guns, yeah. Okay, shocker. The question comes up of Aveline's Tommy gun. Do, do we just assume that Ella will take that because it passes down the line of hero, or does somebody else want to claim whoever's, the Tommy? Whoever's going to be most effective with a two-handed weapon. It I'm may only be good me. with a handgun. It may be me. I. Think giving Catherine the Tommy is going to end up very poorly. Actually, no. Let's give you the Tommy. I feel terrible for the people that meet yeah. you on the other end. Of I'm, that getting, a I'm getting a gold. I'm getting a gold finger. 
I'm getting a gold finger when they go where they're cast through the, the Rolls Royce. The guards gate. <laughs> Who's getting, hey, who gets my trench coat? Well, wait a minute. Shouldn't the rifle go to whoever has the best rifle skills? Well, the, the it's a Tommy gun. It's it's you a sub, seventy. It's a machine a gun. Would that be different than rifle, shotgun, firearms? Yes. Is it a submachine firearms gun? Firearms SMG. Yeah, there's firearms submachine gun. It's the next one uh, underneath it. Yeah. Fifteen. It's not on my yeah, list. I would not give the, you a Tommy. Fifteen's the basic, yeah, for sure. Okay. Other ones don't have it. I, I mean, have I have a thirty-eight. Okay. Oh well, then it goes to Ella. You have a thirty-eight and submachine gun. <laughs> how do you have a thirty-eight and submachine? Do we really want to discuss how That's she a got good it? Story. She's a wow. cultist hunter. She kills lots of people at the same time. Let's get to the thing with Yinko. So because Mueller is ahead. Getting a head. Oh. Ah, okay. We keep talking about the fact that I stole some map charters and like no, no my mother. About, no one cares about. You make your way to the bar. You make your way to the bar. You pass right. along the name, and yes, the bar is smoky. It's again reminiscent of the one from Indiana Jones, the original, when she's drinking against everybody. It, it's just got that Nepal feel to it. It's it's a little Duck cleaner. Army. Yeah, Duck it's a little Army. cleaner maybe than that one. But, um, yeah, and there's a drinking game off in the corner. But when you're shown through the door behind the bar, right off to the side of it, it definitely, you see cargo crates and a couple of fur, fur jackets and some other goods that, you know, obviously are Western, uh, being brought maybe across the mountains into different markets. However, they're doing it. And then curtains are pulled aside. There's two larger gentlemen there. They look at you and they ask if you're carrying... And we'll start from that point. They ask you not to. <laughs> you know, that's really not... At least empty them. So they ask everybody to enter, you know, empty automatics and shells in their pocket, you know, bullets in pockets and stuff like that. That's the... They're not going to let you in unless you do at least that. Not a problem. Okay. My weapons are my fists. Your weapon is your forehead. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a little uncomfy going into a place where... At the door, they automatically ask you to disarm. Really? How many smugglers has Catherine Ross dealt with? I would have thought... Yeah, it's, not, it's not that unfamiliar, Oh, really. oh I, I have, actually. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I killed him. <laughs> right. It's my first kill. That's fine. I've got two automatics. So, so just unclip will, them. Yeah, clip it, them. I'll just unclip them. Yeah. yeah. got my, my handgun and my medical Here's bag. the question. Does anybody... That's cool. Yeah, is anybody trying to play games and not do the right thing? That's all I need to know. No. Okay. Absolutely no, not. No. Okay. He's here to help us. We need to be friendly. Okay, so that's everybody but Catherine. Catherine? I'm feeling, I'm feeling skeptical, but if everybody else is going to just give up their bullets, I guess I'm going to do that too. I have drugs, and I will use them. Right. So you're escorted through. This room, very different. Now you're in a really opulent-looking room. The floors are flagstone or some other just really, you know, well-cut stone. The gentleman you had met earlier, Sid, sits in a large, you know, chair. It's um, obviously, like, gold-plated and just has all these designs from, the you know, the Far East built into it and reliquary. There's smoke. There's braziers lighting the corners of the room. There's incense smell. Some girls are lying around. You get the acrid smell of of burnt orange or some sort of a citrusy peel in the air as well. People are relaxing in the corners. 
And you're brought in in about 15 feet. One of the, the gentlemen who patted everybody down puts his hand in front of you and Yinko, your guests have arrived. Thank you all for coming. Mr. Polta, I see that you were had able to pass my message on to your colleagues. I thank everyone for coming. This is a very sad day for my family. Thank you so much for approaching me and for giving us this time to talk to you. I know this must be a very hard time for you. The difficulty is that my aunt's children are involved. And unfortunately, it seems that these men from the West have no honor to bring a quarrel from outside of our own city into it and decimate a family and steal their children. This is this is bad behavior, and it needs to be rectified. I agree. Yeah, John's nodding his head, yes. So he says, I... Forgive me a moment. And the girls kind of come out of their haze. They get up. They they start exiting out through the curtain. There's curtains that line some of the walls that hide doors to, to go into other chambers. They step out. Only the several, several of the guards remain. And they're not trying to be... They're there to monitor. They don't intend... They're not trying to stare you down. They're not trying to be threatening. They're just giving you the impression that He's valuable. We don't know you well. We're just here because this is our job. Like, we're just keeping an eye on things. He says, I feel partially responsible for what has transpired. I was... Partially responsible? I was given a large sum of money and asked to make arrangements for gentlemen coming in from Berlin to land on our private airstrip. And... I had no idea that they had nefarious purposes. I would never have led or let anyone into the city who I thought might have taken advantage of my family or my aunt. It breaks my heart to think that I was paid to let these men land without anyone knowing, and then they did these terrible things to us. I... You couldn't have known, sir. You, you couldn't have known that. This is Kathmandu, sir, and we are a gateway to the east and to the west. Everyone in the city knows what my family is involved in. My uncle himself made many passes, carrying items to benefit us and the city during lean times. I consider myself and my organization partly responsible for the protection of this city. Its residents mm. have guarded us and kept our secrets and done the things we've needed them to do and that's why Kathmandu has the reputation it has for being a safe place most times I I have brought this here I allowed this man and the large sum of money to blind me I didn't fact check I didn't try to understand it was we need to use your landing strip we need to Come to Kathmandu, we'll be staying only a day, two at most. Will you harbor us? Will you give us a place to hide the plane? Will you aid us? And we did. Well, it seems like we have a shared goal. Yes, very much so. Be for slightly different purposes, but the same. My aunt does not lie. She used to travel with my uncle as his cook, and the cook for several expeditions that crossed into India for Rupkund. The Germans left by plane. 
We are known to some extent in India. I have a plane. I can get you over the border into the mountains to catch him or be ahead of him. It will require going high up and, and cutting him off. And I can arrange that transport for you and your goods. I also It's can, possible then. It is possible. I can also arrange to have some of my men who guard the borders, crossings for us, meet you in one of the high f fields and carry any equipment you would need. Um, I could have six or seven men there within hours by radio. We could leave by dawn and have you there in a few hours to the point where you would depart the plane. But it is high and there are dangers. Sid, you know more about that than any of us. What, uh... What does that mean? Your, you know, elevation and what's yeah. What's the what's... concern? We can't land. Oops, say what? I would. We like would have parachutes. To, we would have to have you parachute out, and you would have to make a jump. Ha, um, Mister, Mister Co, sir, how how do you propose that minimum like ten adults and enough cargo? to supply an expedition of this kind, jump out of a plane? Allow me. Cargo drops. We have they a... did it in the war. We have a 1922 John, Ford... John, please. We have a 1922 Ford Stout. She has three strong engines, and we drop things all over the mountains. That's not a problem. And there's not ten of you. There's only going to be six of you. The rest will meet you there. You're going to have to move lighter. You can't... You'll also have a great lead... You won't have the week's trek just to break over the top of the mountain and get close. I can put you within a few days of Rubkund. Not the two weeks you were anticipating for the walk. So I will save you time, but there is no good landing there. And the Indian government, to be fair, does not like us operating. If we were caught or landing and we got caught, it would be a serious crime. So the best I can do is drop you there. And and what happens to us on the way back? Do we do we Chorky walk? will bring you you Chorky will bring you back the long way. She'll have to bring you out. There's no way I can pick you up in that part of the mountains. Everybody else Mr. Coe, this is important. Um and I would assume this is information you know detailed. Exactly who and what came in on that plane? You mean the one that the Germans brought. The plane that you allowed to land, yes. Uh, a man with a scar and another... How many men? What kind of equipment did they have? What are we going up against? There were 16 men. Um, th they had a very good-sized plane. I don't know how much equipment they had. They may have made arrangements with the Indian government to be able to land somewhere, but there's nothing that close. They would have a hike ahead of them. I'm counting on that. I doubt that they would have been dropped. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. These, While they were soldiers, I, I had the feeling, especially if they're bringing the girls with them, if they're keeping them alive, God willing, then they would have had to land. And the closest airfield is at the base of the mountains. It's a, it's a minimum four days up to where I'll be dropping you. Minimum. 16 men. That's what my... Sid? Men at the airfield gave reported there was about sixteen men. Uh, Yinko, the the man, uh, the place that you want to air to drop us, mm -hmm. is it a flat area, sort of like a, a base camp sort of area, 
where we can land and we can drop supplies or are we literally talking the side of the mountain it'll your drop will be on fairly level land but my plane cannot land there there's no way it's not big no, no, enough to retake off so i'm trying to think because there there are some of us that are going to be uh, very concerned and so i'm trying to see if it might be advisable in those cases to uh, maybe have two people drop together with two shoots as so as to control it. So you're, you're cutting down on the amount of different people dropping in different areas. In other words, like, you know, maybe, maybe Ella and, and Professor Schooley or, or, or Kate and myself. And parachute, you know, or, or however. Yeah, parachute technology, Joel, at this point was very rudimentary because of backpack. We're, the ones we're talking about had only been designed about 16 years earlier there were shoots you could hold and just deploy but the idea of rip cords backpacks the whole thing was actually first used in aircraft in 1920 so this one's he's got extra backpacks he can do that he's got extra shoots i don't i think this has to be everybody on a drop now you want to jump with someone and make sure their chute opens and then let go and jump, pull yourself <laughs> But you're jumping into well, yeah, snow. What yeah, what I'm trying to figure out is if, I mean, each person would have their own shoot. Yes. What I'm, I'm talking about is if you could sort of, if we could tether two people together, right? You want to tangle? Talking about, yeah, yeah it's possible, right? That's that a bad idea. Could, would tangle and then they would drop to the ground and die. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Start dropping like flies. This, yeah. this, is, a, this is a great plan, everybody. Um, I think it's our only... It's our only shot to beat him there. If we what else wanna, are we going to do? Look, if we want to get Mueller back for everything that he has done, not only to us, but to Corgi's family, you got to do it. There's no other hey, option. This, uh, this archaeology professor I know swears he jumped out of a plane in a rubber boat and was fine. So maybe it would be okay for us. That's fabulous. Look, Catherine. I, I, I want to mention this too, because I think this is important uh, for Faye, who tends to be a bit... Um, headstrong uh i think that maybe the side of a mountain may not be the best place to seek revenge for mr mueller and that it might be either further down after we have retrieved the bones further down the mountain or at, just on our terms rather than fighting someone in an area where maybe some or many of us would have a much higher chance of dying from from the elements or falling uh, I just want to throw that out there because okay. I, I know that we can we can be rash. No, take and, it as it comes. And I, Not and I, under, I understand where you're coming from. However, if that son of a bitch swings at me first, or even so much as looks at me the wrong way, I'm swinging. I don't give a shit. He I'll might. fall off that side of that mountain. I'll take he might have one of his sixteen men swinging yeah, for we're, him. Yeah, we're gonna not only <laughs> listen. We got to go, and we got to go, like, now if we're going to beat him and get off that mountain or at least avoid him because we are vastly outnumbered and the five Fs, right. people. The five Fs. Mr. Mr. Co., what is your uh, what is your expectations of us with this uh, help and assistance you're giving? Well, there's, this is me paying back, as I was trying to explain to Mr. Polta, at the funeral, this is my way of trying to pay back the damage I have done. If you can get the girls and my uncle back from my aunt, I would consider us with no debt between us, and actually I would owe you a favor. 
Well, considering your uncle is our way out of the mountains, that seems kind of like we have to get him back, right? No, my aunt can get you there and back. She knows oh, the route. Okay. She's done. The, she was his cook for several expeditions. She knows the way. Oh, I'm sorry. You I, earlier you had said Torgi would lead us out. I'm Torgi. Oh, did uh, because Torgi. the damn fucking <laughs> names. I wrote them on different <laughs> days. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's Torgy my fault. I, I totally took that as Torgy I totally took that as we we rescue Torgi and then he gets us out of the mountains. <laughs> I you can see where I got that. Yes. <laughs> I I looked up one sorry, goddamn Napoli's name and I'm like, okay, so I know roughly how their consonants. I was looking at different names, but I'm like, okay, so Torgi got it, and then I went, yeah, his wife. This was days later. I wrote in my notebook, Chorgi, and then I got Maju and Saushin and Braj, and I'm writing these names, and then I said them on the air. I went, oh, shit, their name's identical. So, sorry. Okay. Moving on. The jump um, mechanic is not going to be super simple. Yeah, so, jump in your on your stat sheet will add to your dexterity on a ratio of every three points in jump will add one point to your dex. When you leap, it'll be a dex check. Oh boy, that's not going to be good. So if we have the <laughs> if we have the twenty base for jump, right? Dear, thank God. You okay. have a se plus is... seven. <laughs> we'll round it up. A, plus, seven plus seven to your dex. Yeah, but Sid and I, Sid and I are the uh, are the horrible dex twins sitting down here at forty. <laughs> well, right. do you? Faye the sky dancer. <laughs> now, you also have tricks in the air. You can That's right. use, yeah. You can use luck. Synchronized parachuting. <laughs> Laura Croft. I'm also going to tell you that a critical fail of a shoot is a critical is fail of a shoot. So this is risky. I mean, it's 1931 with a parachute over a mountain. With oh, wind gusts and okay. everything else. This is a crazy maneuver, but it's pulp, it's daring, it's heroic, and it gets you ahead of Mueller. So it's up to you guys. You can take the long road, but you'll never catch him. It's going it. to be almost impossible. Do it. Do it. I'm all for it. Ella. Well, how does Ella feel about this? She's like, hi, I'm Ella. It's nice to meet you. Great. Let's go risk our lives and jump out of a plane. <laughs> She Mueller. almost got you killed by finding her mother on a shipwreck. This is like well, that's a me. Tuesday. Yeah, but that's a <laughs> okay. Tuesday. This is a rowdy Tuesday for me, all right? <laughs> Let's just say Ella's got a little bit more experience. Like, she's been to Africa, all over Europe, hunting her cultist buddies. And the Thule Society is at the center of it, so mm -hmm. knocking out oh, Mueller yeah. would be a big this deal for her. Yeah, this is nice. A, this is important to me as well. The stars are aligning. Yes. Uh huh. It's not like the keeper planned that or anything. <laughs> no, the I'm, last I'm, thing I'm, he I'm, wants I'm, is to kill Mueller. Mueller is his <laughs> favorite. I tried to build the bad keeper's guys. pet. <laughs> <laughs> keeper's pet. Oh, biscuit. <laughs> I just try to build bad guys. It's not my. That's oh. not what I do. Oh wow! Well. Oh wow! Well. Biscuit. <laughs> Anyway, so for everyone at home and for the people around us, Ella is like looking at stuff and touching things like, oh, very yeah. interesting. Is she doing it casual or is she doing no. it like someone's going to need to pull her away? She's trying to be casual. Like, it's like that bored person at an art gallery. It's like, oh, let me look at it. 
But I want to look at the like this the raunchy one. <laughs> Catherine, she's like, um, as the one who's a bit weirded out by Miss Walcott still. Have you left the office where we're meeting Yinko? No, it's not know? an office. It's a it's a it's fairly a big, you okay. know, very elaborate. I, Ornate room with throw pillows and shit. Okay. Yeah. I was imagining an office. This is better. Without trying to be like, Walcott, sit your ass down. Walcott, we're talking mm -hmm. about jumping out of a plane. Could you maybe come back here and provide your input and stop touching the objects, please? Hands off, kiddo. Well, whatever you want to do is fine, darling, but there's something here. We're jumping out of a plane. I jumped off a flaming ship into the sea in a storm. Yep. That happened. <laughs> that happened. Well, that okay. Just ah. all right. Um, Please continue. Okay, glassy. In the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> what's the, what's that, Catherine? Glassy eyes jumps first. Okay. She's not glassy eyes. She's not doing this. She's doing like googly eyes. Not... Barney Google. Okay, Google <laughs> eyes jumps first. Do is the, is this a plan that you wish to employ uh, you look do you want me to have them get the plane ready at the airfield yes please yeah. i don't think we have any other choice we have no other options and I, I think it's a i think it's a good option and we're going to take it very well i think, it, think it's rather decent of you to um admit that you um inadvertently let in the plane which killed a bunch of your relatives and our friend and that you're trying to make up for it now so my, Good on you. There are people here who know it was my name that approved that that landing. To not make good on it would tarnish my honor and my reputation. And it's it's the right thing to do, Miss Ross. Can I, understand that. I will radio my men and have them ready to meet you once I get the timing from the pilot on how long it'll take to fly there and prep the plane. If um. If you'll excuse me, if, if if you'd like, I can have a car sent over to the expedition center in a few hours to pick you up. Let us say by 2 a.m. That sounds perfect. I'm sure I can have the plane ready in, in that time. So guards come over. They fish Ella out from a brazier in the far left back corner of the room. She's been <laughs> sniffing some of the, the, the tapestries and rug hangings and things and kind of putting her hands on them. They walk her back over to the rest of the group. In the future, maybe some sort of a harness and a, you know, a little bit... A leash. A leash for, like, a toddler leash might be She's... okay. Uh, but She does not I know always... how to handle herself in front of people. I understand. Yeah, I always figured that Faye was going to be the leash kid, so it's really, <laughs> it's really nice happy to have you that here. I'm not. <laughs> the leash We have a new baby, so... Um, Aw, are yeah. Faye's all grown up? No. No, um, she's not. <laughs> she just hasn't um, gotten herself into any shit yet. Don't you worry. We'll see how um, this jumping out of the keeper. plane goes. Yep. Are we like safely away from the guards at this point? They show you back out into the street. Yeah. Yes. She like grabs John, John over by Ella, the yeah. sleeve, and I'm like, Ella goes, "There's something. You see? There's something wrong in that room." How many people have died in it? That's what I was wondering. No, no. Your friend was in there. What friend? Abilene. Yes, she went Aveline, there. Aveline had been in that room. Yes, I felt like she was searching for something, and uh, she was definitely sitting there for a while. Hold up. And we, uh, John kind of pulls Elle over to the side of the road and motions everybody over. Guys, uh, uh, Ella was 
getting a vibe from the room. Ella, tell, tell him what you just said, please. Your friend, Miss Hammond, she was there. She spoke with him before she was killed. Mr. Co? Yes. Did you get a sense of what they talked about? Only that she was there. If I had something of hers that was... Unfortunately, all of her belongings were burned in the pyre. I'm not saying, unfortunately, that she didn't deserve a funeral pyre. It's just... It was very faint. It was like a breath of her essence. Just Should we just go right back in there and have a conversation with Mr. Co? It didn't seem nefarious, but no, it definitely... Just for clarification, if he has any further information about anything... I mean, you just guys... so we know... I mean, I would want to know what she was doing like before she... Okay. Right before she I mean, was we, we know we know she liked to lone wolf it, you know, go off on her own and, you know, try to head off dangers for us, take care of things. Which you are not allowed to do, new kid. Me? No, oh. no, no, John. Um, new kid. Sid, you're okay. John, going back you're not in, allowed right? to do that, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean if we, we gotta go back in, we've gotta go back in. Alright, so you I... make your way to the bar. Um, they kinda are looking at you like I thought you just left. Um the guy knocks on the door, thinking that you must have forgot something. Opens it. One of the bodyguards is there. He whispers. He looks at the, I don't, the you know, the five of you, and he motions you back. Brings you back in. Uh, Yinko is not in the room at it for a moment. Uh, he's somewhere else. But they they tell you, please wait here. They'll get him. And within a couple minutes, yeah, Yinko comes back into the room, and he's like, "Is everything okay?" John can uh, can John try a, a charm roll just to sure. Make sure that this goes, you know, Exceeding just to like, you know, <laughs> yeah, he, he wants to, he wants to, you know, uh, I apologize for the intrusion. Yeah. Um, I, something has just come to our attention that we felt like we, we had to ask that we, we couldn't let this pass. Sure. And uh, it's it's our understanding that you met with our our companion, young Aveline Hammond. That is. A 58. That's so that a is a success. Yep. He says, uh, yes, um, just, oh, yesterday was the, yeah, the morning of earlier yesterday. She had come to Why me. Why was she meeting with you? She asked around for several days, um, looking for contacts. And she made several inquiries around the bars in the area. Asking if anybody knew who controlled underground goods. She was eventually given my name and brought here. She asked me about legends of the mountains. What the team could expect. Asked me if I knew of, you know, if what I knew about the porters involved. I didn't ind indicate they were my family. But I did tell her that the guide that was chosen was very solid. He's done the walk, you know, that route several times. And... She inquired about some other information about the operations, and I told her for any more, she'd have to carry a parcel for me back to Europe. She had agreed, but of course, that deal has died with her. That's all that happened. Does John get a sense he's being honest? There's, you don't see anything that would indicate a lie. John looks around at the others to see if they anything anybody else. You want to, anybody want to make an insight check? Been, Go ahead. Um, I did not make it. Neither did I. I rolled a 69, which is a success. Wow, that's great. Yeah, nothing indicating any falsehood. So I just I just 
look around to make sure everybody is accepting mm -hmm. and you know doesn't have anything else they want to add. Sounds just like something she'd do. Yeah, That's Aveline. I, mean, I, I think it sounds consistent with, with who Aveline was that she would try Always to work. Out for any, us. She didn't really have any connections, uh, as I recall, in this part of the world. It's something I think that we discussed before leaving Italy. So it's possible she was trying to make connections. I mean, it makes sense. And this man is obviously a local business man. Aveline was always trying to use her abilities and connections to look out for us, protect us. Which yes. that information would have been, yeah, if there was pitfalls. She talked about the route with him. What can we expect? Ice chasms. She also asked about yetis. And, you know, she was just trying oh, to course. yeah, get the whole lay of the land from somebody who may deal with it in a little different perspective. Yeah. I kind of bow and thank him again for his time and Oh, of course. He's pardon not, our intrusion. No, believe me, he for him to come forward and like Catherine said, admit such a mistake, he's doing it because he truly believes that he caused the death of loved ones. But he's also trying to show the community that he'll get them back if possible. That's why he's suggesting using his men as reporters. He wants you to have good mountain fighters and, you know, guys that are hardened up there with you to help even the numbers a little bit. He doesn't want his aunt going up there alone. All right, you make it back to the expedition okay. center. Sid, Faye, give me climbing rolls. This is not for the, this is to pick the best stuff you can take. You're going to be moving much quicker. You're going to be closer. You're only going to be about four days out from the top of the, where Rupkund is. So this climb is going to go quick. So you got to work a little lighter. So you need less food. So you guys have two hours to sort through the packs. Sid, what's your roll? A 56? I have 56. I missed it by one. So if I use a luck. Okay. Use a luck. Go ahead. Burn a luck. Faye, right, what's your so roll? Burn a luck. I got a 55, which is right on the money. So I just made it. Okay. So the two of you are each able to pare down well. You do not get everything out that you didn't need. You didn't make these things super lightweight. It is going to take a drop. They're going to have to slide a sled out the back with, you know, and let the shit fall with a big parachute. They're going to do that as well. Um, and they want to do this. If you're up in the air by 2, 2.30, they're going to have you over the mountain at just before dawn. 5.30 a.m. You're going to be crashing up, you know, like over the top. And they're going to try to get you to land as the, uh, they're timing it. So, yeah, you, you get picked up by the car at about 2 a.m. And you're immediately brought out to the airfield, which is about a 20-minute ride. Chorgi's with you. She's packing a gun and, you know, other climbing equipment, all that stuff. Everybody's got, their, you know, the packs are put into a truck that follows behind. All is it of you, just Chorgi that's coming with us? She's the only one of the family that has any climbing <clears throat> experience left. Okay. They killed the other six. So there's six. no other people. Well, the other people okay. will be there when you land. He's already radioed ahead for seven men to meet you there with their equipment because he has people that are they going to be? Are they going to be armed then? They'll, oh, they'll be. Yeah. These are seven fighters then. Yeah, the good. Right, 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 right. That's, these, that, these are that, I feel, I'm feeling men. a little better about the numbers. Yeah, yeah. That's why he recommended. Listen, let my guys be your porters. They can help you carry it. They're mountain men. They, you know the. They know how to travel, and, and they protect our passageways and our airfields down below. He's already radioed. They're en route. They're already on their way to meet you. So they've got a couple hours. You know, you're going to land, do your jump, 
hit the woods, this copse of trees, and wait for them to arrive. They'll be a few hours behind you. You're brought to the airstrip as loaded into this Ford Stout, which is a type of three-prop plane. They were actually cargo planes that were used during this period. This one's a 1921, so it's a little bit of an older model, but it's 10 years old. How he got it, maybe he bought it, maybe he stole it, who knows. But they were used all over the world at this point, um, not just in the United States. So this is a pretty popular design. Central prop, two props, on one on each wing, reinforced steel, you know, steel rods to the wings. This was a pretty sturdy plane. You're loaded in, the equipment's loaded in, Shorgi's loaded in, he, he's there, Yinko is there with his, you know, the mobile men. And uh, he tells you, so the goal will be to, the pilot is going to try to have you over the top of the drop zone by 6 a.m. You'll jump at first light, about 6.20. You'll land, get to the trees. They're within a quarter mile of the spot. They'll be off to your, to your left, right, sorry, to your right on my map, I'm thinking. He says, once there, wait. By midday, my men will arrive to help you with your belongings. You'll still have at least a full day, if not two, on Eula. That's best time, unless he parachuted in. I just can't believe he would have done that and left the girls on the plane. Or I, I believe in my heart he landed. Here we go. Plane takes off. You're up in the air. Any last minute things you want to do? Because we're going to be doing rolls here. For parachutes, is there any conversations, oh. anybody you want to say goodbye to, letters you want to write, should your body be broken as it hits the ground? Now would be the time. There is some light in the plane. You can turn a little light on if you want to write or just kind of relax, have a have a biscuit. Catherine? Catherine is writing letters. Um, she sat down on the plane and she's not she's being kind of quiet. But hey, that's not unusual. No. And she's all. just writing, writing, writing. The first letter is going to Uncle Al. The next is for Matthew's parents. Then um, Lucille gets a letter. Okay. From back home. Someone's got a, you know, she's leaving her the apartment, Mr. Tibbles. There's um, a Mr. Tibbles? Let it go. He, he's our cat. The last letter is to um, her mom. And that letter is only supposed to be posted if she's dead. Right. And it, um... Reveals that that big old secret. Faye? Everyone that Faye loves and cares about is on this plane now. Mm hmm So she's just kind of... She's trying to, like, make light of the situation a little bit because, you know, the mood is definitely down and just kind of goes... I think Aveline would feel about jumping out of this thing. <laughs> she would have been like... That's making, yeah. li <laughs> That's making light of it? <laughs> She'd I think it. I'd like to imagine that she would have been elbowing me to get out of the way so that she could go first. Yeah. Yeah. And then catch everyone else. She would have jumped out <laughs> screaming, I'm a sky eagle. <laughs> I'm the sky eagle. Leap of eagle. faith. The ultimate leap of faith. Sid, anything you need to take care of last minute before we do the jump? Yes. I leave a letter behind that simply says uh, for Margaret Chislington. Okay. Um, Croton, um, and it just says, um, I'm sorry I could not return to you. I love you, and I had wanted to ask your hand when I returned. Please take care of my beloved Dong Dutch. He always loved you more than me anyway. The shop is yours, Sydney. What kind of dog? He's just a mutt. You proposed yeah. to me? Okay. 
Wow. You have a, a fiance? No, he said he would have. Professor John? John's uh, John's lost everybody uh, in his life that was close to him except for his mother, and he actually carries a uh, he carries a letter in his jacket pocket with him he has for the last couple of months. It's just a simple explanation to his mother. Okay. Uh, if something is ever to happen to him. So John just sits down and, you know, he's flying through the air. He's going to be flying through the air in just a moment. And, you know, John has very much gotten into his meditations recently. So he uh, he he tries um, centering his meditations around the uh, the Romani Ravnos, which is Ravnos is the element of air. Mm. So he's going to be uh, doing an air centered meditation. OK, sitting quietly. He give hears me, everybody talking and chatting, and it makes him smile. Give me a um, give me a power roll. Fifty nine. Where does that put which you? Which is a success. Okay, that's a success. You rem- you're you're calm, you're resolute, you're in a place in your head where you know this decision is something that you would rather not do, but ends to the means for the group the whole bit. I'm gonna allow you roll a d10 for me. You want high. What'd you roll? That's an eight. Okay. An eight. You can add, let me rephrase it. You can subtract eight points from anyone's roll up to two people. So if you want, if you need two and Sid needs six, you can do that to help make them successful by talking them through it calmly. All right. Yes. Beautiful. So the meditation does pay off. It's going to help you maintain a little bit more composure in such a frightening circumstance. And you're allowed, again, you can subtract up to eight points. You can use it for one, for two, but that's it. And you can't go more than two. You won't have time to talk everybody down because they're jumping at different speeds as they go out. Okay. Okay. They're going to be, yep. Ella, anything for you? A quick little written note to her father, Andrew Walcott, the bartender. In jolly old London, just saying, um, sorry I wasn't there when you needed me and stuff like that. And ever since, like, she found out what happened to her mom, her and her dad have kind of rekindled their relationship. But she's still a weirdo, so, like, just well, a little okay. note Weirdos work. She's still a recluse weirdo. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Weird is what makes the world go round. Catherine? Mm-hmm. I have a thought. Go ahead. I keep adrenaline in my bag. Yeah. Would dosing everyone with adrenaline help? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Not unless you want me bouncing off the walls of this plane right, <laughs> right. before I... Uh... Right. Okay. Yeah, if they were <laughs> nervous, it would just make it ten times worse. Yeah. Okay. Our heart's already going to be under stress. It could just make it explode. See, this... They all made the jump, but their hearts all exploded. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no. Faye's going to die of a heart attack at the tender age of 27. Right. Um, listen, dear re- dear listeners... Um, Lauren is not a medical professional. That's okay. It's a good question. And, oh no, that was yeah. a good question. It's like it might, hey, if you want to, you're, th- you're thinking to make it like hyper, like hyper aware yeah. and focused. Yeah, like, yeah, I got it. Like, yeah. Totally. Oh my God, where's Adderall when you need it? When's that, <laughs> that been invented yet? <laughs> everybody, jump out of a plane. Everybody, make me a roll of a d10. Oh God, oh dear. And I will do one for Chorgy. That's a one for me. Seven. Mine is also a seven. Oh, the lady's got sevens. Okay, ah. re-roll them. 
The seven seem to be rerolled. That... Oh, this is oh, the one that we're going biscuit. in. I got a five. Six. Seven. Okay. So here's how we're going. Planes vibrating. You see a light come on. Door cracks open. Pilot looks back. He's like, okay. First, we're going to throw out the, the equipment. I'm going to do a slight bank. You'll feel it dr drop onto the left. At that point, as soon as she levels out, you got to go. And you got to go quick. Okay? Otherwise, we fly right over it. You may slip over cliff. Not good. So you go quick. You go, go, go. So he, you know, the co-pilot comes back. Chorgi's there. All of you. Sid jumps in. Grab packs and stuff. And immediately it's... He's like, now, now, now. Stuff starts going out the side. The wind is kicking in your face. You know, you can't tell. It's it's barely light. The sun is just starting to come up over the top of the mountains. It's, you know, it's it's the first rays of light. I mean, it's barely there. And you feel the plane. And you catch this terrible wind as she banks hard to the left. And he starts coming around. And he levels out. And you hear, go! Sid, make me a dex check. Sid oh, goes. Yeah. That's, that's, that oh, is a hard God. check. Sid, oh, thank God. Sid goes out. He's got, the, he's got the anime shirt going on, the pants. He's fluttering. The guy told you to count to six and pull the cord quick. One, two, three. You're jerked hard. Sid goes. The parachute starts to open. Next, who rolled a seven? That would be Catherine. Here. Oh. <laughs> no. Go, go! Shut up! I want to see the roll. Guys. What's the number? It's a fucking no. eight. It's a fucking eighty. What's your dex? What's your? Obviously not an eighty. <laughs> What's your, your dex? dex woman? Sixty-one. Hold up. What's your jump is twenty. That's with the plus. What do you mean? I, my jump is twenty, so that gives you seven what? more. So sixty-one plus seven is sixty-eight. No, no, no! It was fifty-five, and I've already added the jump. Okay. Okay. So you're at sixty-two with right. a seven. He's giving okay. you a rounding up. I can give you eight. John, so you do it 70. now. You have none for you and none for you and anybody else. You said I'm two. Fine. I won't need up it. Up to two for eight po eight points total. Yeah, that's right. So, oh, eight points total. It's not two people, eight points. No. Right, right. Like I said, two and six, it's eight points. Catherine, so you, you can burn luck. So you need 18 points of luck. 18 points of luck. Um, well, let me ask you a question. I, I was going to use my eye of Aramon, but is it, are we technically, quote, not together because each of us are jumping Correct. individually? Gotcha. Okay. I use 18 my eye points on of luck. I've only got 45. Sucks to be you. You gotta do it. Life and death situation. Now here's the thing. Well, hey, if you don't, I, where are my three points? <laughs> what? Where are my points? For what? Schoolie, help. He, he's got well, one. You have a means to get there. I mean, I'm rolling on a forty-eight. <laughs> so I see how this is. No, and I and I don't know how Ella person. is. He can I'm, help one I'm or two people fine. tops for a little bit. It's not well, like he can. So here's here's what you can do. You didn't roll a crit. The chute will open. If you don't burn the luck, you're going to get hurt. How bad? Oh. We're going to find out. Now you want to take the beating? Go ahead. It's up to you. You're our only medic, so if you get a concussion, like you're or out if of you, Or if you break something? 
The more points you miss by, the worse the shot. Just letting you know. I mean, I've got 41 points of luck. Yeah, no, you can't. And a 40, you know, it's... Look. It's it. This is so. so this how is much do you have to use? It'll be nasty. Yeah, Look, I think. Phoebe. I think eighteen. Eighteen. I'm doing the math. She has to use eighteen. Math. Yeah. Listen, baby girl, you're gonna get some luck back after this chapter. Right. You know, luck can be yeah, renewable. So I'll be down it's to the point of luck. You got. Doesn't matter. Okay. You got to use it. It's either that or you're gonna end up dying. Or hobbled. She pulls the first yeah, right. cord. She's it doesn't awesome. open. She pulls, pulls, pulls. She starts to scream. Yanks the next one. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> That's fucking didn't want to jump on a fucking plane. Die! <laughs> Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> because here goes Chorgi. Oh God! Oh, I thought I would be next because I'm the six. You and Chorgi had sixes. Oh, can we hold hands? No, she doesn't know Damn. you, and you're a frightening person. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want to feel two people's fear? Chorgi is our most important person. <laughs> she goes out. It opens up. She's okay. She rolled oh, a twenty-eight. Oh. I thought you were going to say she goes. She goes out and hits the prop in a spray of red. <laughs> no. First of all, first of all, you. All she hears from below is "Good for you." Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Uh, and it's called Ella. 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 <laughs> What's your dex, Ella? 60 oh. and my jump is 35. Ooh. How is your jump 35? We Eight. had to jump off a ship. So divided by 3, 35 is 12. So, right? You're good. Add 12 onto um, your number. <sighs> that's a fucking crit, bitch. No. Is it? Yep. Yep. Is yep. that a crit? Yep. You is it crit ninety five to one hundred. Hold up. Let's reroll another character. No, give me a minute. I would never want someone to die back to back. Hold on. Your clairvoyance. She can have the eight points. What? Yeah. She can have the eight points. Your clairvoyance. That's not your clairvoyance Luck? kicks in. The shoot is not good. Before I go, or is yeah. it while I'm in the jump? No, the shoot's no Suck. good. You start stripping it off, and Faye's like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, just go! Faye, roll. I'll tell you, Ella, what happens in a minute. I would oh. never kill someone back-to-back. -back. That's just not oh, right. God. Okay. I but I will kill you, Faye. So what's I your... <laughs> no. Hold on. No, I would like to see you try with this. So my dex is an 85, correct? Yeah, but you can't... My, jump, my but... jump is a 40. Yeah, here's the kicker. Nothing better than an 85 anyway. It, that's maxed out any. So you still could fail, but go ahead, girl. So you have an that's 85. Fine. 73. Could we swap? No. That, she, that Faye goes out. Ella's trying to get the pack off. <laughs> Faye opens up. Oh, I didn't want to fucking, fucking play. Fucking Charger jumped out like a fucking swan. That's all you keep hearing as you're way down <laughs> below you as you're floating. <laughs> Sid's, already made, Sid's already made contact. Sid, the snow is you you pillow into it um at this elevation there is some snow and you, you're lucky you hit a good patch of it um you're pulling this the, the the shoot the light is now starting to just you know get over the top and it's glowing along the, the you know the area where you're landing all that's going on schoolie here's the kicker ella doesn't have a shoot right now it do, you're not sure what's going on you can try Where's to the take, rubber boat you can take two <laughs> 
You can, yep. but it's going to make the impact of the landing a little bit more difficult. It's that, or you go and she stays on the plane until they can either find a chute or she heads back to Nepal. I say to Ella, I'm perfectly fine with you jumping with me. It's your choice. Much of a choice, dumbass! <laughs> <laughs> like Spider Monkey Zim. <laughs> this will be good. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, God, <laughs> no. Please let John. John. Please. You Please saved your points for on. this moment. For every... John is the one in charge of the shoot. John's do... controlling the landing. But I will allow the two of you to split some luck. So for every two points John spends, you can spend one Ella to help him out to keep the shoot under control. So if he okay. misses by 15, John says, I can spend 10. You spend five. We'll cover it. You can do that. The, so, the two of you leap out. <laughs> the pilot goes, I have one more shoot. No, I'm just, I'm <laughs> Son of a bitch. John says in his, in his most serene voice, it's going to be fine. I know. I thought you were just like, I know you did. <laughs> I can smell it. Oh, Go ahead. There he comes. Oh, All right. Well, I should, I should clarify John's dexterity of 40. But he has a jump of thirty. Okay. So that gives me fifty. Fifty. Hang on a second. Let me let me make sure I got that stat right. Um no, sorry. Jump of twenty-five. Okay. So divided by that's three, gonna give him yeah. Oh, round it up? Yeah. Uh, eight. Like so twenty-four. Okay. Well rounding <laughs> up would be nine. Rounded. That'd be like a serious rounding up. <laughs> it's a little bit more serious. But eight plus All your right. eight. So forty-eight. Forty-eight, here we go. Plus your eight. Uh, Yes, 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 yeah. yes. We're gonna we're gonna hold that in reserve right now. Oh. That is a is that a zero? Fifty. Uh, it is. It is right exactly a fifty. Okay, so just burn two. It's good. It's fine. So I burn. I burn two of the uh, of of my meditation luck. Yep. And it is successful. That's all right. That was John's scream when he when he, when he lit the shoot. Yes, bitch. Yes. John's yes. scream. Absolutely. No. He had two Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Not. Absolutely. Oh, let it happen. He's in a he's in a peaceful state of mind, and Ella is like a calming force because she's totally like old hand at this. Oh yeah, right. right. Plus, he would spider monkey fingers dig into your back. <laughs> Plus, he wouldn't want to scream like a girl in front of a woman. No, that's true. Um, he does one of those. He does one of these. One of the screams where no sound. It's just. I do that all the I time in horror the Bugs though. Bunny gremlin scene. Yeah. Bugs Bunny. <laughs> all right. So, um, miraculously, <laughs> the only one who touches down a little hard is Catherine. A gust grabs her, drags her along the ground a little bit. <laughs> Almost taking her off the mountain. <laughs> Sid grabs her. Shoot. Oh, I got you my toffee pudding. And he's holding on to it. Faye lands, Chorgi lands. <laughs> Ella, you see the copse of trees and you hear. <laughs> as the plane flies off, Catherine. I would like the, the readers to, uh, readers, listeners to know. I would like the listeners to know that even as Catherine's momentum is stopped, even as Sid begins helping her off with her parachute, she continues to scream. <laughs> <laughs> it's as if she doesn't know she has on the ground. The ground. Right. That happened to me on a roller coaster once. It was rather horrifying. I wouldn't stop screaming for like five minutes. 
she's kind of in that state of mind right now as right. the bucolic sunrise goes up. So Sid, fate, <laughs> Sid, Catherine's eyes are still clenched closed, <laughs> and she's just, just, I found yeah. This is I think Sid would probably just be chuckling as he's continuing to disconnect her from everything. Would he Sean Connery? Would he give her the Sean Connery? You're obviously in a state of panic. I need to slap you. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> the every, the no. every woman needs a slap. No, no, no. No, I think he would be sort of chuckling gently going, it's all right. Let it out. Let it out. I don't know. Bit frightening. Let it out. Let the be frightening. Said, Give let a scream. Punch the snow. It's okay. All right. So not off, not far off to your right hand side. Just as he said, now the sun is already cresting the first peak. You can actually see now uh, the timing of the of the whole thing was excellent. You can see the copse of trees he's talking about. It's probably 150 yards away. Uh, you make your way there. Everything appears okay. You've been able to, bear, you know, you quickly ball up the parachutes like they instructed. Cover them with a little bit of snow just to keep them weighted down on some rocks. Get in there. Hunker down. And that's where we'll call it for the night. So... Congratulations, good jumps, good rolls. That was impressive. There was a lot of fear nice there. Job. An episode. Ella. On Ella's part. Bad Ella, that was your one. That was your I have to live through my first night of introduction as a new character. Don't yes. yeah, we don't yeah. Yes. We don't get two of those. I mean, but I, I mean thank you, Keeper God. <laughs> no, no but nobody should re- nobody should roll a character after that. Loss. Yeah, Can you imagine right. the horror? If like every other episode, Kayla's character just died and it became yes. like a thing, like the bard from that one, that one show, that one movie. What was yeah. Kayla? What was it? Dorkness, right? Remember. Dorkness Rising or something. I think so. yeah, yeah, I think so. That's the, the bard keeps Show yourself, shot. villain. <laughs> no, it would be like all those those nineteen seventies TV shows with the guest starring roles. Yeah, should be the guest part starring. Of, <laughs> the part of Burke Devlin will be played by <laughs> Abilene Hammond. <laughs> Wow, what a great reference. The part of Elizabeth Dark Shadows. Shadows. Dark Shadows. I get points for that? You landed without breaking anything. Yeah, you got points for it. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. All right, gang. Uh, from all of us here at the Bardic College, uh, they are ahead of Mueller. They did it. They jumped. They took the risk. And hopefully it'll, it'll, it should pay off big for them. Uh, my name is Raz. I've been your keeper tonight. Thank you. Joel playing Sid. Mel playing Faye. Catherine, obviously, always Lauren. The new and improved Ella Walcott by Kayla and Professor John. I jump tandem schoolie, uh, played by, by Scott. <laughs> I only tandem jump. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't single jump. <laughs> Jumping jumping's always better in tandem. And, even if the person's not properly strapped to you, I just just grab on and go. Uh, but from all of us here, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.